Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where we talk to all kinds of crazy people who have incredible ideas and backgrounds. And today I have Scott Lesnick, and he is not only a speaker like me and deals with a lot of leadership issues, but he has a couple of really fun things in his background. He has been a TEDx speaker. That's something I've wanted to do. Who knows what's going to happen with that, with the, the COVID world. Uh, let's see. He's been the Dean of Academy for, for, for Professional Speakers. Uh, he's been a graduate of the University of Miami, Florida, which is probably somewhere I want to end up again in my world. But this is what I really love. You know, I love these strange factoids. He's run the equivalent of two times around the planet. Two times. I think that would be a little exhausting and good thing you just don't have to actually run that way. So uh, thank you, Scott, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you, Michael. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. And I've listened to many of your podcasts now, and I, I love listening and learning from other people because really that's how I grow my knowledge. And it helps me with what I do with clients and speaking. It helps me become better because I'm learning, I'm listening, and I'm adapting to the changing world and to how I present and what's going on. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, you shouldn't be talking about COVID all the time. You want to keep all your information evergreen. I said, you know what? The, given the world, the way it's going, we might be evergreen COVID for a while. So <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. It, at least for the foreseeable future, we'll get out of it. But nobody's exactly <laughs> sure when yet, at least exactly. at this point. Well, I know that we're going to talk about your top 10 tips for dealing with and understanding generations, which I love this topic so much. But before getting into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you help people to shock their potential. Well, my potential was shocked uh, several times in my life, which I think happens to individuals. And after a successful run 24 years at a Berkshire Hathaway company in, in management and in sales, I decided I wanted to do something else. So I did what a lot of people thought was crazy. I left the company in good standings, a six figure job, and I decided I wanted to become a professional speaker and author. And folks just looked at me like I was nuts. Uh, <laughs> but, and I got that. They were afraid or they were kind of transposing on me how they felt. And I, I just wanted to try something different because I had reached a point where I was a little bit burnt out and I yeah. needed to 
I needed to revive myself and shock myself to see what my potential would be moving forward. So I decided to do that. And I had a lot of mentors, women and men who helped me along the way. And uh, by doing that, it, it allowed me to free myself from corporate and find out just how much fun and how much work it is to become a professional speaker. And now I get to speak to clients all over the world and come into businesses and speak at conferences and help folks grow their sales and grow connections between generations and also successfully navigating change, which is something I understand both professionally and personally. And you know, it's funny that you talk about, you know, people looking at you funny when you make the shift. No one yeah. really looked at me funny. They weren't really surprised by it. Um, but, you know, they did ask a lot of questions like, you know, and my, you know, for instance, my son, and he loves it when I reference him on here. One day, yeah. you know, we were talking to him and I, I was planning to come visit he and, and the kids. And I said something, well, about my day and how I organized. He goes, well, mom, it's not like you work. <laughs> Right. And, 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 and it's funny because for the first several years, I had friends that were the same. They're like, so what do you do all day? So some of them that I thought were actually interested, I explained and they were like, are you kidding? <laughs> and my wife, who said I worked pretty hard in corporate, said I'm working harder now, but I'm also having more fun. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think we should every we should just make a note right now to during this podcast every one to two minutes, reference your son and play it back for him. So he just gets completely <laughs> embarrassed. No, I'm sorry. We'll I know, names, yeah, we'll, we'll have nicknames for him by the time we're done. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's a, it's a big transformation and, and folks do wonder, what do you do all day? But now I think, and, and to your point, because so many of us are working from home, mm -hmm. more people get it. And I think not only are people more productive at home, a lot of them, but they're also realizing that they're probably putting in too many hours. They're like, oh my gosh, yes. nobody's telling me to stop. It's five o'clock and I'm still going. And so your, your, your son had a, a good point, but uh, I, I hope now he, <laughs> he sees what mom does. Oh, he does. It's really funny. Actually, I do a live broadcast now every Friday afternoon and uh, he, he pops in when he sees it because it goes out Facebook and, you know, YouTube. And mm -hmm. so I'll be, you know, in the middle of, you know, a really serious discussion and the thing will pop up. Hi, mama. Hope you're having a great day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. there's my son. He loves That's me. That's my so boy. He's, just part. he's part of the shtick. <laughs> That's great. Which, which is, you know, actually kind of flows right into our conversations, you know, about generations. And, mm. you know, it's, um, it, I think, it's so intriguing now to see, you know, six months ago before the world changed, we were talking about the challenges of generations in the workplace yeah. and, you know, and kind of mindset. In fact, I actually am on a mission to interview 100 millennials. So I'm about a quarter of the way through where mm. I'm asking, you know, why do you guys get such a bad rap? But now that we're also working from home, I think the generational issue is even coming out more to play because now you've got everybody trying to figure out how to work from home, how to, to interact, how to use technology in a different way. And some of the generations you thought would be really good at this necessarily aren't. I mean, they may know how to get on the Zoom call, but that doesn't know, mean they're good at working from home. So I'm right. really excited about, you know, what made you, you know, what makes you passionate about this issue in particular? Well, what, if you're right too. And I've, I have interviewed hundreds of millennials, Gen Zs, boomers and Xers and everyone in between because I, I, I wanted to 
make sure when I was presenting that not only did I have the latest information, but I really understood. And the, the, the reason I, I got into this particular topic is simple. It happened by accident. About eight years ago, I was at a conference and I saw a gentleman speaking and he was a true professional when it came to speaking. And when I saw him at this conference, I, I was watching his, his intro and how he began and he rocked. But as he began to speak, he did something that in corporate I didn't do. And in my personal life, I didn't believe in. He began to trash and badmouth millennials. And so I was just listening to what he was saying. And I thought to myself, A, you're not supposed to do that. That's not really good because, you know, there's millennials everywhere, as we know. But mm -hmm. it didn't sit right with me. So weeks later, it still kind of was inside of me. And I thought, this can be done better. So what mm -hmm. I wanted to do is flip it 180 degrees, speak about generations, but fly millennials flags high before it was in vogue. So I did a lot of research, spoke to many, and I wanted to find out why they were maligned, why it's mostly incorrect, and how I can help a lot of people from management to HR to C-level uh, understand about different generations. So it was really watching one guy who was a really good speaker deliver what I thought was a terrible presentation on generations. And that's interesting you say that because that's why I actually started a millennial series on my podcast because a year mm -hmm. ago, November, I was sitting in a meeting with about 30 people and somebody, and it was kind of like a networking group, you know, a round table group at cool. one of the uh, organizations I belong to. And someone started complaining about millennials and 10 other people jumped on board and I mm -hmm. sat back and just watched. And I knew that at least six or seven people out of that 30 were millennials. And I watched their reactions and I watched their responses and I, and you know, they were quiet. I was quiet and it bugged me so badly that mm -hmm. I thought I need to do something. I need to talk. I need to ask these questions because if we are, and I have to put myself in the we because I'm a boom mm -hmm. or I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm considered one of the bad ones that bash on them, even though I don't bash on them, but you know, it's really about us understanding each other a little better and remembering we're more alike than we are different. We really are. And it's great to watch people's light bulbs go off. If I'm presenting and there's 50 people or there's, or there's 2,500 or wherever I am, and I see light bulbs going off or heads like that. And obviously I can pick out millennials pretty well because they're younger and uh, you see them going like that too. It lets me know that what I'm saying is beginning to connect, but the best comments I receive are usually from folks older than millennials going, you know, I needed to hear this. And mm -hmm. it's not that, look, we've got so much going on in our life, Michael, we can't be aware of and understand everything. But if we can learn more about connecting generations in the workplace, it's a win-win win for everyone. I agree. Well, let's get into your top 10 tips. So tell me what you want to tell us. Okay. Well, you, you know, it's funny because when, <laughs> when, when I was, when you selected, asked me to be on your podcast and I was honored that they, they you know, you, you reached out, I, I really had about 20 and I whittled it down to the top 10 <laughs> because I wanted to honor your format. And the first one is, is uh, it, it seems obvious, but it's so important not to judge a person by their generation because mm. we really don't know what's going on unless we have that conversation. And we're all a bit guilty of this from Gen Z, the generation after millennials, 
all the way to baby boomers and beyond. So what I'm suggesting and what I do when I speak at corporations or I speak at conferences is I, I say, look, we shouldn't be judging people just by generation. And this is why. And of course, we can role play a little bit and I can show them why as we dig deeper. But number one is mm. just don't judge a person by their generation. You can have certain ideas and you might be right. But odds are you're probably going to be wrong on some too, because every single person is an individual. Just because you were born in 1985 doesn't mean that depicts exactly who you are the rest of your life. And remember, none of us want to be judged by our generation either. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. That's a great point. We, we really don't. And yet sometimes there are folks, and I will say, it seems to be people that are Xers and boomers, but there's also millennials pointing their finger and this and that, mm -hmm. rightfully so. But my goal and what I've been able to do, but I want to do more is, is make sure that we connect and we have these conversations because all of a sudden things start to, you know, you take off your blinders and the fog goes away and you see people more for who they are than their age. Uh, yeah. I'm not comfortable anyway with the whole generation thing and going, you were born at this point, this is where you are, <laughs> but that's what we have. Uh, so uh, I, I work within those parameters until I come up with something better and I haven't. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so the, the, the second one is listen with intention of learning. Uh, uh, one of the things I had to do early in my career is I was a real pouncer when it came to people and we were speaking as people were speaking I'd have thoughts in my eye my mind and I'd know this and I'd jump in and I'd pounce and I had to become much better at listening because all these these folks had things to share and to teach me so mm -hmm. listening with the intention of learning is important um, and uh, if, if companies would would have meetings or bring somebody in so that we can talk about connecting generations there's a lot that would happen. And I'm, I'm confident and I've seen productivity goes up, sales go up, all the things we want, plus retention uh, and attracting new candidates because word goes out. If you're one of those companies that is forward thinking, people share that and you tend to yeah. attract more uh, candidates and have a bigger pool to choose from. So listening Absolutely. with the intention of learning when you're talking to people is essential. And uh, I, I've seen it work so many times. So true. So true. I'm a firm believer. <laughs> yeah. my, my, my third tip is really, you know, once upon a time, and this is where it, 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 it really takes people's minds sometimes. And I love to just kind of sit there watching uh, an audience when I share some of these facts. But today, you know, millennials aren't kids anymore. They mm -hmm. have kids of their own and their parents are now grandparents. They're also the yep. number one generation in the workforce by far. And so I'm telling people that, look, if we're going to look at generations, we need to understand who these folks are. So millennials are in positions of management and uh, they're also great workers. But going back to them, folks are like, well, yeah, but they leave their job a lot and they're not committed to their careers. Well, statistically, Gen Xers and millennials change jobs about the same number of times. There's plenty mm -hmm. of dead out there now, and we understand that. So no, they don't. They don't change jobs that often. They change jobs about as much as the generation before them, which is- Well, and part Gen of that, you know, 
that listening with the intent of learning too is, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm a Gen Xer. I change jobs frequently. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me why, it wasn't because I got bored. It because because keep people kept, you know, picking me. You know, recruiters kept calling, and and so the next job was bigger, better, faster, more money. I wasn't going to say no to that. And I think absolutely. that we make it we make assumptions that people are leaving because they're unhappy in the jobs <laughs> rather than just listening, you know, and saying tell me. And that's one of the questions I'd always ask people is walk me th when I was hiring, walk me mm -hmm. through your career. And yes. I don't mean one job to the next, but tell me what prompted a move and what were you looking for? And that those are the ways you learn really what motivates somebody. That's a great, that's a great point, Michael, because I, I did something similar in corporate because I wanted to understand why people made moves, but I also wanted them to know, uh, I felt passionate about this, that their job their career was their life. And the decisions they made to stay or to move on was completely up to them. And it wasn't up to me to hold them back. Of course, I did not want to lose somebody who was good, but at the same right. time, uh, I would learn some of the things that moved them. And more often than not, it was the culture of where they were surrounded that would kind of handcuff them. Or as you said, an opportunity to either be able to give more and be heard more or, you know, make more money, which is a good thing. Yeah. And all those things I, I honor, and I think we should all be able to do that. I agree. Uh, and, and so tip number four, uh, uh, you know, was, was really that millennials and Gen X change jobs about the same number of times. And it's important for our listeners to know that because it will change their perspective on how they look at those generations. Number five is baby boomers. So no matter which generation you are, you may relate to two generations. I relate to Gen X and I relate to boomers well. Um, and baby boomers still, you know, today are retiring at around 10,000 a day. And simply doing the math, that's over three and a half million a year. Now things are going mm -hmm. to change. We don't know exactly how it's going because obviously as we record this session, we're in August of 2020 and with COVID, you know, there, there's uh, unemployment, there's people leaving jobs for other opportunities and people being let go. Uh, but there's also millions of boomers that don't have enough money for retirement. So because of that, they're going to stay at work as long as they can uh, because they need to continue to build up their savings before they retire. So even though Absolutely. they're retiring at 10,000 a day, those numbers may start changing. We may see at the end of the year, and, and into 2021 that uh, those numbers change. But right now they're holding pretty steady. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's another thing to be really, and it, it, this will, I'm not gonna give away number six, but this really kind of highlights number six. Give it six away, I really, don't care. I'll just well, add just, <laughs> Thinking about, you know, being aware of each other and understanding, um, you know, right now we're seeing obviously massive job loss. Oh gosh, and, yeah companies all across the whole world, but just within the US. Um, in fact, today, you know, uh, American Airlines finally announced, we knew it was coming that, you know, 19,000 jobs are gonna be gone um, soon. And oh. many of those are, are people who are boomers who are being pretty much forced to take packages, you know, or to early retire. And these elements, so whether or not they get the opportunity to early retire, they're being forced to or being furloughed, um, this awareness of all of us, then if they, if you have a boomer who isn't ready for retirement and mm -hmm. has no choice now, 
the difficulty getting back in the job is even more challenging. For, the job force is even more challenging for that person. It is. So kind of this awareness of generations and being respectful of what people have, which I'm not going to give away number six. I want you to give it to it because I think it's a really nice balance to understand where we all are and what are, what's on all of our plates. Yeah, I, I forgot what number six was now. No, uh, but but to, with, with American Airlines, as you mentioned, and others, it, it, one of the things that I look for too is so if if you're if you're let go and you're given a package and you have some money for a little while, obviously you're going to still need to work. What I love is the people in HR or recruiters that understand that there are these women and men with an enormous amount of talent that now aren't working and have all this information and knowledge that they can instantly bring into your organization. So I don't care if you're going to keep them for three years or five years and they're going to split, whatever, take advantage of these folks because they've lived, they know, and they can help move things forward. So mm -hmm. uh, that that's a, I'm glad you shared that though uh, with, with uh, it's sad that everybody's being let go, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so number six is, uh, I wanted to talk about it, and it happens with each generation. Right now, it's Generation X's turn. Companies need to be cognizant of the fact that their employees who are Gen Xers are going through a lot. Right now, they're going through everything that we're going through professionally and personally, and everybody has their own story. And boy, I've listened to them, and I've learned so much. But right now, Gen Xers are running companies. They're in positions of leadership. They are CEOs. They're there. Their time has come, but they're also known as the sandwich generation right now because something's interesting. Their numbers aren't as big as millennials and baby boomers before them are a big generation, but shrinking as far as the workplace. But they're also raising kids and dealing with aging parents. So that's what kind mm -hmm. of is sandwiching them too. They have that going on, plus they're sandwiched between two big generations. So what I'm reminding people of when I'm at their, their organization or at a conference is that we need to reframe the way we look at people and generations. And we need to do it individually because the women and men that are Gen Xers that are working in your company are going through everything you're going through. Plus they have kids in school that are either being homeschooled now, which really wasn't on their plan. I know with my kids, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I, of course, if, if they're staying at home and they're on the computer and that's what they have to do for sure. But I don't think most parents wanted or expected that. So they're doing more homeschooling. Plus they may have to run and take their aging parent to an appointment, a doctor's appointment, or take care of this and that. There's so much going on in their lives that I'm not saying we have different rules for that generation. But as a manager, if you want to keep these folks and keep them productive and keep them engaged, you need to understand and have discussions and ask them how they're doing. Is there anything else we can do for you? Sometimes it's as easy as changing their hours by an hour coming in or going out so they can have more freedom and flexibility to take care of these yeah. other things. And if that's done, they're going to remember and appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody's got their burden to bear. Yeah, they, they, they really do. And right now uh, with all of us uh, taking care of so many things, I think Gen Xers uh, have a, a little bit more with uh, the, the kids and, and the aging parents. 
I'm just glad that I, so I, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I have a millennial son. He has two kids, so I'm a grandmother. I'm so glad I don't have little kids at home, and many of my friends still do. <laughs> so I started early, and I'm happy to be ending early. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. I spoke today with a friend when I was walking my, my dog, Eddie, a golden doodle. He's great, but we'll talk about that next time. So she said that one of her kids, both of them are uh, doing online, and she said her 14-year-old kid is exhausted. He oh, said man. it's eight hours. She said it's eight hours a day. He's keeping up, but there's no connection. No social We're going to break every 42 minutes for seven minutes. And it's really, really, really tough. So there's a lot going on oh, with the family dynamics, too. And I'm not here to talk about going to school or not. But Gen X right now. We need, to, we need to remember that uh, they need a little extra attention and love because they're going through, again, everything we are, yeah. plus maybe a little bit more. <laughs> so that leads me to number seven. Uh, Gen Z, people want to know about the generation after millennials. Uh, uh, what's going on with them? Uh, how do we hire them? What do they want from work? Because the, the oldest in Gen Z now is they're about 22, they've finished high school, they finished college, they're entering the workplace and the youngest is about eight years old. So there's a range there, but this is also a couple things to remember. Now, they have passed up at 86 million, they're the number one generation. They passed up millennials by several million and millennials mm -hmm. were a big generation. So this generation more than ever is a cross between the generation before baby boomers, the greatest generation that was kind of more cautious and played by the rules and millennials on steroids. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're very, very quick and able to adapt and so forth, but they're also very cautious because they've seen so many things happen in the world from depending on their age, 9-11 uh, on, uh, on up, the Great Recession and so forth. And they've listened to stories and they've seen. Uh, but one of the things I'm also suggesting is a, an, a way to attract this generation is to use Twitter. Because mm -hmm. a lot of folks that are going and posting jobs are posting all over the place, but they're not posting on Twitter. And this generation happens to also look at Twitter for, for jobs because they're on there too. Oh, they, they don't do Facebook I have no idea. So Twitter, Twitter helps, and uh, I've, I've received some emails after I've spoken uh, from some folks. Uh, it's something as simple as, hey, try Twitter to attract uh, Gen Z. It works, exclamation point, smiley face, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I just learned, researched, and shared. So that's not something that I came up with, but it, it is out there. And I think the more we share that, the the, the better we can have it no attracting idea. this generation. And we're going to need them. <laughs> yes. Um, so number eight, moving number along. Eight. Uh, mentoring. I, I wanted to talk about mentorship programs just for a second, because when it comes to generations, obviously, if you have somebody who's 55 and somebody who's 25, they're different. They're Mars and Venus. Yes. However, they, if put together correctly and they're the right individuals, can really help from a generational standpoint, one another. There's also reverse mentoring where the, the younger person, the millennial can help the, the Xer or the boomer with things from technology and other things or just what's going on in the world. But we have to remember not to look at young folks at work as folks that don't have a lot of knowledge or opinions because they do and they'll share them with you once they learn to trust you. So if we can have mentoring programs at work, they're proven 
to grow productivity. They're proven to increase business and, and connectivity and the sharing of information and ideas, but we have to be cognizant of that. So I'm a fan of mentoring programs. They're not that difficult to run or put together, but more companies than not are not participating in it. You know, I um, had a guest on my podcast during my millennial series, and she mm -hmm. was talking about um, that every Gen Xer and boomer should have a millennial mentor. And I said, you know, that we talked a lot about it. I thought it was brilliant. Then I realized afterward that I actually have one, although I don't have it in that way, but she is a business person that I have gotten to know over the last couple of years. And she is sharp and she is so energetic and she has ideas that I don't have, but she loves talking to me. So, you know, about once a month, we get on the phone to talk about whatever business because she's building a brand new business. Oh, and great. Just the flow of energy and the flow of ideas because I see, you know, I have different experiences. She has different experiences. And what we're putting together when we, whenever we come together is so phenomenal. And I never thought about it as a mentorship. I just thought of as another business contact. But she is a millennial and she truly sees the world through different eyes, but she's just as happy to know what I see through my eyes. Absolutely. I, I love that. My assistant, Sarah, is a millennial and she would not be described as uh, full of energy. She's low key. She's chill. She's intelligent. She teaches me all the time. She knows things I don't know. I know things she doesn't know. So we share and we feed off one another with, with absolute respect and there's no there's no age here. There's just learning from one another, but the things that she's taught me and I've been able to, to, to bring and teach to her have, have been great. And, and it's really because I made the decision early on to not have an ego, uh, to not think, well, I'm older, I know, and I want respect. I just wanted to have a good relationship and age didn't matter if you're 15 and you've got game and you can help me with social media and this and that, that's great. Uh, and so Sarah being a millennial has really been able to show me, as you mentioned, that there's a lot that we can offer to one another. So while I'm not living that life anymore in corporate, I sure am in my uh, professional life doing what I do. Love it. Love it. Oh my so, gosh, we're down to nine and 10. Yes, number nine, 10? I just wanted to, to <laughs> reiterate that mentoring programs are important. And, and it really, you can hire somebody to easily show you how to do it. You can do it online, it's a little more difficult. And then on to number 10. When I was talking about generations, for five years, I would do a survey at conferences and I would also do it at, at organizations. And it was anonymous, so uh, you know, nobody would be you know, pinged for anything, but I wanted to find out from a generational perspective, it doesn't matter which generation you are, what was most important to you? What did you hold nearest and dearest to your heart? So when I was done doing this over five years, Michael, I came up with, wow, I had tens of thousands of responses, but I also had to whittle things down. So I finally got down to 13 things that I would put on the slide and they were too many and the slide jumbled too much. So I ended up narrowing it down to seven things that, and these were the top seven that folks had said really helped them connect generations and help them stay part of a, a, an organization. And they are number one, respect. Everyone wants respect. This is again, irregardless of generation, wherever you are, wherever you fit, it works. Listening. People want to know that 
you're listening to them, whether you're management, CEO, you may not always act on what they're saying, but sure enough, you're, you, they want to know that you're listening. If you're not listening, uh, it's going to give them a bad taste, that metallic taste mm -hmm. in their mouth. Uh, the next, um, I think it's important too, is uh, training and mentoring. People want the opportunity to train, to learn, and to grow. If these opportunities, and I've spoken so many times since uh, March of this year, virtually, and, and there's a lot of companies, a lot of organizations that are doing things to help folks continue to train and grow because that helps you learn and advance in the workplace. So that's important. Uh, seeing the big picture, once upon a time, companies would hold back and they go, well, you know, it's a need to know this and that, forget all that. That was blown away <laughs> years ago, but there's a lot of organizations that don't get it. And I'm like, come on, this is 2020. We're not in 2010. Let, let, let's share the big picture. Listen, women and men want to understand what the big picture is at the company and where they're going because they want to understand how it affects their job and how they can take their job in that direction. But if we're not sharing it, they're not getting it. If they're not getting it, we've got trouble. Absolutely. So I think that's uh, important, sharing the big picture. Ideas. Folks want to know that their ideas can be shared without getting in trouble, without getting a timeout or written up. Do we have an environment? at work where we can share ideas freely. That's very important. And uh, they want positive feedback. They want to know that what they're doing matters. They want to hear some good things, not just some, some crap about what they're doing. So positive feedback and, and communication is essential. So those are the things, yeah. respect, listening, training, ideas, seeing the big picture and communicating, giving positive feedback were the, number, were the biggest things that all generations wanted to have. Yeah. And I think that becomes the great equalizer is understanding we all want these same things. We all have the same core yeah. desires and needs and drives. So the more we understand that, the more we can maybe recognize that no matter what year you were born, perhaps we have more things in common than we thought. <laughs> uh, you're, you're right. And to me, it's always been, and I'm sure you saw this in your corporate life, it's all about communication. The lack of communication can make things difficult. More communication oftentimes is, is a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, goodness, I can't believe we're coming to an end. Um, so two things. Number one is I know we'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody can't wait to find you right now, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, website, www.scottlesnick.com. Very good. Easy Pretty peasy. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yes, I do. And this will take about 20 minutes. So sit back, uh, <laughs> but I'll do it in one minute because this is your show and I, I, I have to end on time. Look, there's a ginormous <laughs> amount of change going on and occurring in our professional and personal lives right now. And we, we understand that. And it's essential, I believe, for me and for all of us to become great listeners because folks are going through a lot. And doing this will increase sales, which is what we want in most of our businesses. It will grow our business and connect folks who otherwise might feel on the fringe or on the outside at either a meeting or at the company. And not doing this, it just creates, it creates anger, stress, and resentment. And it makes it easier for staff to look for jobs elsewhere, which is not what we want. So having an organization, Michael, that 
successfully connects the five generations together and helps grow them will have an increase in retention and workplace productivity and the sharing of more information and ideas. And uh, I think that, well, I don't think, I believe that this is the advantage that we're looking for in our businesses and to grow our business and to use your words, to shock our potential. I love it. I love how you end with my tagline too. You bet. Scott, great information. Thank you so much for sharing it today. I'm so glad to have had you on and I'm so glad we're connected. Yeah, I am too, Michael. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast and continued success and everything. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.